This is Comic Picks by The Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. How are you doing, Jason Glick? I'm doing all right, John. Yourself? <sighs> all right. I'm doing all right. What do you have on tap for us tonight? Okay. Well, it's like, it's this is coming back to something that I uh, reviewed um, over three years ago, back in January of 2013. Um, the first two volumes of Attack on Titan. Now, I picked these up from from Kodansha during a Right Stuff sale because I thought, you know, these look kind of like like appealing to like a slightly older audience than the standard Shonen title. And um, so I figured, you know, I might as well give this a shot. Seems like they can like give my 30 year old self something to um, be interested in. Oh, God, I was wrong, because I read these first two volumes, found the art to be um, appalling, and the um, overall plotting to be fairly fairly generic, and I'm um, not all that impressive. Basically, it's like, while I'm... Well, I generally try to be optimistic when I buy like the first volume of the series, I think, yo, hey, well, I ask, like, is there the potential for this to get better? Reading these first two volumes of Attack on Titan really kind of left me the feeling that, no. It's like, um, this um, Hajime Isayama guy was um, kind of a hack, and, uh, you know, hey, I can safely um, ignore this series and not, and, um, it's like, and, like, bother with it. And not bother with it any further because, you know, hey, it's like, you know, you may have been really popular in Japan, but, hey, it's like, you know, it's like it's going to blow up over here in America. Three months later, the Attack on Titan anime, anime premiered, and it turned out to be the um, next big gateway drug for anime fans, for, for, to bring in anime fans on this side of, this side of the Pacific. It's like it's, it's basically it's um, like it's still like an immensely popular series. Um, it's uh, new volumes on um, like like are routinely um top the uh, New York Times bestseller bestseller list. You can see tons of cosplayers at any anime convention. It's kind of like you know, a generational thing. Like, well, some people can say like, yeah, I was brought into uh, it's like um anime by um, Evangelion, or I was brought into um, it's like um, anime by um Cowboy Bebop, or I was brought anime by Dragon Ball Z, it's like, well, you got an entire generation now who can probably say, I was brought into anime by Attack on Titan. So, so, it's like, um, and as the series blew up, I kept thinking, like, well, you know, it's like, maybe, it's like, I need to go and, like, maybe give this series another shot at some point, but, well, I went and sold the, the two volumes I got, because I thought, hell, fuck this, I'm not gonna bother with it anymore. So, like, when trying to reconsider the series, like, I always thought, well, you know, it's like, hey, I've got to, uh, well, you know, how do I, um, like, get over the fact that, you know, hey, I sold this, I sold the two volumes I bought, but don't actually want to rebuy them again in order to um, offer a, reconsider- a second opinion. Well, I'll tell you about how I did that in a second, but um, the thing that actually got me, um, that actually prompted this whole podcast and would have served as a sole basis for it up until about, say, uh, 48 hours ago was the Attack on Titan anthology released by Kodansha Comics in the U.S. Now, I'm, now while it kind of like it kind of probably goes without saying after what I just said that um, Attack on Titan has a huge um, it's like um, fan base here in the U.S., but that doesn't extend to fans. That also extends to American creators who also um, like the series as well. And apparently, there's enough of them that. Um, that apparently um, Kodansha was able to work work out a deal where you had like lots of American um, comic creators um, contributed to um, like um, did their own shorts for uh, for this um, for this anthology. So so I thought you know hey this uh, this actually sounds interesting and now I've been I've generally liked well okay it's like they're it's like uh, like I've um, 
but I've not been entirely averse to um, American takes on um, anime properties, um, mainly through the the sole efforts of uh, Adam Warren's um, um, Dirty Pair series over the years. Six volumes, fantastic stuff. Um, well worth it if you can, if you can dig it up. He also did a Bubblegum Crisis series, which I need to go and reread because you know well, I didn't think it was bad. It's like it wasn't on par with his um, Dirty Pair stuff. But you know it's like hey, American creators taking a crack at a Japanese. Um, creation with the approval of the, of the creator well you know that sounds interesting and you know hey i'd at least like to go and buy the volume just so we can support um you know like um stuff like this in the future well how did this turn out <laughs> gee um would it surprise you to know that that this anthology has has is really uneven with some really good stories and some re- real clunkers as well huh huh would you? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like I was overall, I was, I was entertained by it, but there's no denying that there's, that it's um deeply uneven as well, and it, and even then, like you know, the bad stuff isn't exactly terrible, but it, it just leaves you the feeling that you know, hey, did these people really engage with the, uh, like with the um top the um license at all, like in this and. It, the film and the anthology gets off on the worst foot with the um, first story, which is called Under the Surface, and was one of the ones that I was really looking forward to because I'd heard that um, Scott Snyder, um, writer of Batman, American Vampire, which is um, was I'm um, writing this, and so I figured, hey, you know, this is um, the, okay. If he's taking taking this on, well, this this sounds interesting, and he's working with the, his American Vampire um, collaborator Raphael Albuquerque on the art. Well, this is good. Um, get to the um, anthology itself. Oh, and you've also got, apparently he's working with, he co-wrote this with um, Ray Fox, who also um, worked on, I believe it was either Batman Eternal or Batman and Robin Eternal, but, you know, there's precedent there. But it's, this first story is, you know, takes place in the year 2030, where um, you've got this um, documentarian who's trying to, um, like, force this, this, uh, his crew to um, get out over the ocean to give this this land hope um this is a land where like you know people are like living in tent cities on bridges there's um open open conflict with the police it's like and it's like the things are going to shit like you know post-trump america yeah i just said that um and then he wants to show people that oh like no there's evidence the whales are coming back there is something we can have hope for and well no on the very last page we find out that oh no it's not the whales that are coming back turns out this is the um the titans are showing up and, you know, it's like the problem with this story is that, you know, you could swap out on um, that last page with anything. I mean, you could say that um, it's like, hey, oh, it's the Sentinels from X-Men that are coming, coming back. Oh, hey, it's the God Warriors from Nashika that are coming back. It's like, oh, it's Godzilla showing up with all of his kids. It's like, and it wouldn't have changed a goddamn thing. So that's that's the problem. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't really interact with the te- with the um, license at any meaningful level. Um, that's also a problem with um, Cy Spurrier's um, story, Fee Five Fo, which he. It seems like he went and used this story as kind of like a. Uh, as kind of like a, uh, as a as a way to um, ha- have show um, England's um hist- in- have England England's history interact with its history of giant stories like Jack and the Beanstalk and whatnot, and. To be honest, it's act compared to uh, Snyder, Snyder and Fox's story. It's actually a good one, um, showing a uh, like a arrogant village head who is um, like who um, to basically um, 
ignores all the rituals it's like that are that the um deva they've ascribed to dealing with the titans and and i'm um, showing how they're dealt with in the over the cliffs of dover and how he actually learns to embrace real sacrifice in order to save his village like i said it's a good story but you know it's like you but is it something that's like feels really tied to the attack on titan universe you know not so much um like i mean they're like i said some of these and like I said, that's some of these are these are, like I said, so even if they're not like um, terrible stories, like they don't feel like they're interacting with the, uh, the with the material in a meaningful manner. Um, some of them, like um, Memory Maze by um, by the Hanukkah Brothers, or um, Bahamut by Ron- Ronald Wimberly, um, it's like they're just feel like, hey, you know, it's like there is a um, attempt to uh, to um, to engage in the ma- in the material. Like Bahamut revolves, revolves around a play um, set involving titans and uh, memory maze has a uh, old member of the um, survey corps um like take like i'm dealing with the loss of a, of a kid it's like it's it's like so but so they're so they're not so they're not bad i mean they're you could like um take you know it's like assume that they're like that they've at least you can at least make the assumption that um that these creators have actually read it same goes from rihanna pratchett and jorge corona's um skies above which has um which doesn't have a lot of titans, but has um, two uh, university students um, fi- finding a way, trying to find their way um, over over the walls on their own terms. It's like that's it's like that's a nice that's a nice story of like um of the of the of these two people trying to overcome overcome odds and embracing the that the corruption that I've seen involving in the uh, military military police brigade from the Attack on Titan world. Then. Okay, you've also got stuff like um, Attack on Playtime, where Sam Humphreys and Damian Scott um, basically have a uh, have an elementary school girl and her Titan playmate um, exact bloody revenge on all the teachers that have that have um, that have um, oppressed her. Though, you, and that sounds completely um, unrealistic until you consider that there's been an Attack on Titan Junior High series that shows the characters and the Titans interacting as if they were in junior high. Um, See and oh, what else? Oh, Attack on De- Demon Con, which is the be- the Batgirl team of Brendan Fletcher, Cameron Stewart, and Babs Tarr, um, basically doing a uh, like a okay, um, cosplay um, PSA. It's like using attack using um, Attack on Titan um, character or uh, Attack on Titan um, symbols as you know, like these girls um, cosplaying as sexy titans. Um, Encounter some members of the uh, guys cosplaying as survey corps who get a get it's like who um get a little grabby with their hands and then it um goes straight into pure um like fantasy before going back to reality to show you this is what actually happened so so it's you know like they're like these are not bad these are interesting but for me it's like the, the best stories are the ones that actually feel like they could have taken place in the uh like in the series in in the world of Attack on Titan itself such as um. It's like um, Michael Michael Oming's um, "Live and Let Die." It's like where a, a member of the Survey Corps find um, finds a cr- group of people living outside the uh, the walls because they feel that things are too oppre- too oppressive inside. And his art is um, really great for for nearly the uh, the kinetic feeling of action. That it's like in the series, and um, it's like and the um, straight up parody of um, even Dorkin's uh, um, attack on. Even Dorkin and Sarah Dyer's um, "Attack on Attack on Titan," which is basically um, four, 
four panel strips that basically just um take um just just um really rip into like a lot of the uh, like um conventions with uh with the series such as uh yeah you know such as such as um it's like um what happens like how did the uh like how did the um, here's the survey corpse um like use the bathroom when I got all the um all the uh like wires cutting up into their junk and all it's like or you know like how like what the idea that hey you know like the the titans um don't don't go after livestock how do we have people um dress up as um animals in order to uh like get get around this whoops that didn't work it's like it's like these are these are great these are great fun and as is the uh it's like the uh, multi-part an illustrated guide to the glorious walled cities from genevieve valentine and david lopez structured like an oldie english um travelogue um, the first two, um, installments are, you know, pretty straightforward and you get the feeling that, oh, okay, we're, she's kind of like, you know, filling in, um, doing bits of world building for the other cities in the Attack on Titan universe on her own license until you get to the last two, two installments where, um, you realize that, oh, apparently this, the lady who was writing this had some real issues with how the, um, how the kingdom was, um, censoring her approach. And then you get to the last one, which basically which basically, ha- um, you get the impression that she was there the day the walls came down, and um, kind of, it's like, and and was kind of like squashed by the government as a result. Still, though, my favorite um story in the collection is from a creator that I really like, um, Faith Aaron Hicks, and she managed the neat trick of basically telling a story that exists, you know, that could fully exist off to the side of the main main story before taking a um gleefully ridiculous on um, twist at the end now it basically has um two st- it starts off showing two street urchins who um who and find a, a joke of um a, a joke book like in in an abandoned house and they're like oh this is hilarious it's like you know it's like this like really it's like really cheeseball jokes like um it's like um why did the rubber wash his clothes before he ran away with the loot he wanted to make a clean getaway and they, they think this is hilarious because they realize, hey, you know, this is a world that has not had any, like, real humor or um, lightness to it. It's like in, since the advent of the Titans. And um, true enough, like, you find out that um, the first part of the story takes place right the first time the Colossal Titan shows up in the series. Cut to five years later, when around the time when the series itself began, and these urchins have now joined the Survey Corps. Well, it shows them, well, it shows them, you know, like, um, Trying to um, stick to their commitment of um, it's like uh, I'm fighting off the Titans, like on on their own terms. But then it turns out that the jokes they've learned have a uh, it's like have an unexpected effect on the Titans when they hear it. So it's it's com- it completely breaks any connection this 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 strip would have to this to this like um to the Attack on Titan proper. But it still does it in a great hilarious way. That that I, it's like that I ultimately loved, and it's also the only story. Well, aside from it's aside from the Attack on Attack on Titan strips, that that actually has cameos from the um, cast proper in the form of Mikasa and um and Levy, and you know it it just it's, it earns those cameos. It's really it's really fun, and um you know it's like if they ever decide to do a, a second um, Attack on Titan anthology, please um bring back um Hicks. Bring back Dorkin and Dwyer. Bring back and bring back Valentine. So yeah, they were the highlights. Everything else, not terrible, but it will 
kind of make you wonder, like, you know, did these people actually read the series or were they just, um, you know, kind of, were they just like, you know, like, um, the transmitted idea of being, of working on this, um, immensely popular series. Now, um, thanks to the magic of Amazon over on Black Friday, um, I actually found a way to uh, make the, uh, Attack on Titan Colossal Edition, which is a collection of the first five volumes of the, uh, of the series, um, actually, um, really cheap. So, so that's, that's, so I managed to get over my issues with rebuying the first two volumes. And, you know, so, so after having read the first five volumes in the series now, and the Attack on Titan anthology, and with my knowledge that this is like, you know, one of the most popular, um, series in, um, American fandom. So how do I feel about the series now? feels like I'm getting too old for this shit, really. You know, like, reading the, uh, the sub- subsequent, vo- subsequent three volumes, it's like, I, you know, it's like, um, Isayama's art, well, to be honest, guy's still kind of a hack. You know, if he gets better, I'd love to know if he gets better after volume five, but he's still, but even though he's got, he's got a nicer eye for how to, like, stage um, compelling two-page spreads, but he's just not good with um, character with character anatomy or or emotion or emotional scenes. It's like it's like like I said, he's I kind of I gave the nod that you know maybe he's kind of like you know Japan's Rob Liefeld like in my initial review. It's like you know he's probably better than that really, but you know it's like he's but you know it's like he's still not all that impressive an artist. And there's and like really it's like and reading these um these these um three subsequent volumes it feels like there's a there's a lot of um like convention being followed here just in the, in the form of like you know the uh irrever- the, the the quirky um leader who shows up in the trump form of um dot pixel the um the badass who everyone loves working under in the form of levy it's like and you know it's like the uh it's like just it just feels like just i mean like the the setting is interesting the concept is concept is nice but um i just can't like i just don't feel like i'm get like i'm getting anything really it's like really new here like it's just a uh it's like it's just kind of like a uh, like a, a take on like you know like familiar like end of the world like um tropes for for a new generation it's like the uh it's like like i like all this um it's like all this like you know end of the world stuff or like you know like people fighting back against a uh it's like a uh, corrupt, like uh, working, trying to save the world within a uh, corrupt, corrupt system. It's like we've seen, I've seen this before. It's like, and it's it's all too from all too familiar to me from a from a genre standpoint. It's like I can't say it's it was necessarily like terrible, like compared to my initial um opinion of it. But you know, it's like I just kind of I just wonder, it's like you know, hey, do I want to um invest in another twenty five dollars or no, sorry in $25. So assuming I can find, um, volume colossal editions, volumes, um, two and three to see if the series gets any better from here. But it just didn't inspire me. It's like all, it's like all that much. I mean, it's like, it just, like I said, it just felt, um, too familiar, too tropey to really grab, grab my, grab my attention in, in the end. And it also kind of reminded me of the fact that, um, another big, um, I wouldn't say it's like it's a seinen series, cause, but it's still more violent than you for a shonen for a shonen series called um, 
Sorry, I'm Tokyo Ghoul. That I got the uh, first six volumes um, digitally from a bundle on Comixology earlier this year, and because um, I, I saw that it was popular, and you know I thought, hey, you know this looks um, like substantially a little bit more mature than your average shonen series, so I'll give it a shot. And oh, I get I get like a uh, half baked um, X Men copy in the sense that you know, hey, you've got this kid who um, finds who after after he's attacked by. Uh, by this ghoul, um, ends up um, being like being turned into a human ghoul hybrid, and um, like being no longer human and be, having to fall into this this uh, this under this um, ghoul underground and all. It's like dealing with like you know the ghouls who are you know nice and trying to find a way to live without um consuming human guts, and the ghouls uh, other ghouls who are just like hey we're gonna like, feast on humans as much as we can. It's like without having them. Like having um, their law enforcement come and come down upon us, and like I said, it's like I said, I've, I read X Men as you well know, and um, just the, and um, the main characters' desire to find a third way that allows humans to coexist with um, ghouls just felt just felt bah, like 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 um, boring, unoriginal, and just doing chewing too close to the genre genre um, like trope book. Why why didn't I mention this like on the blog earlier? Earlier this year, well, because I just couldn't be bothered. It wasn't that, it honestly wasn't that impressive. But that's the same vibe I get from Attack on Titan. Like I said, like you know, and I, I, if I was, if I read this when I was fifteen, I probably would have loved this shit because you know it's like just because like the cause of it's violent, it was doing some doing stuff different that I hadn't like been completely ruined for in terms of um genre and all. But you know, it's like in in the end, you know, it's like. Reading between stuff like this and um, Tokyo Ghoul, I kind of wonder, you know, am I uh, getting too old for like you know this um, shonen or like um, like any kind of manga that isn't um, you know seinen and everything? But then I realized that you know you've got you got stuff like One Punch Man and Assassination Classroom, which actually do um, shonen shonen tropes with a um, great amount of self awareness. It's like and and energy and inventiveness. So, yeah. Hey, so if you like um, Attack on Titan, more power to you. But you know, I'm going to stick with um, what I feel are superior stuff, like you know, like I said, like One Punch Man and Assassination Classroom, and you know, hopefully, it's like any other good quality shonen stuff that comes out, like in it's like in the future. Though to be honest, my um big um my big um wish for next year is that um dungeon meshy or delicious in dungeon as it's known is as it by its ingrishy title um becomes like the next big thing it's like because tavern in the scanlation is that and that is an amazing series go buy it uh, as soon as as soon as you can because as soon as it comes out over here from me on press it is amazing but i guess i'm rambling at this point so uh john um any particular thoughts on your your end about this whole Attack on Titan business? You're never too old. However, <laughs> um, no, but um, uh, you know, it's yeah, it really wasn't a yeah. It, it's not a series that I was really interested in, honestly. So um, I didn't have um, uh, a lot of uh, ties to want to go and see it. Although I don't think that I'm too old for shonen so <laughs> anyway so what do you have on tap for us next week well speaking of x-men you no know, i've finally 
by the time um, our next podcast arrives, I'll have got the uh, last installment in the um, Apocalypse Wars um, like event fr- that um, was that came out earlier this year. So I'm going to be talking about the latest latest X Men event because you know I love talking about X Men events. Yes. All right. Well, that sounds great, and we can't look for we can look forward to that, and we'll catch up next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. Great. Later, Spike.